Can you sail under the command of a pirate? Can you not? We don't listen to you. I don't think you This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. Words are things. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Careful about calling people out of their names. I kept coming back to it, just trying to figure out where in the world we had gone so wrong that it had ended up here. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Why, Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? What we've got here is... Failure to communicate. Some man you just can't read. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You don't tell your pappy how to cut the electorate. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communication. Oh, yeah. Are you not That's a fine thing you for. Are you not a And welcome to the Pirate Professor Podcast. Hey crew, this is your captain speaking. How's everybody doing out there today? Oh, it's a lovely day outside the cabin. It is, I don't know, 60 degrees, clear blue sky. Fall leaves are just starting to turn. And as a general rule, it's just pretty stinking nice outside uh this is the kind of weather that you want to sit out and hang out in a hammock or i don't know just pretty much anything else besides sit inside uh and fortunately for you because i'm such a clever captain and not at all arrogant um you can listen to this thing wherever you happen to be. So um, hopefully it's a lovely day whenever you're listening to it and your life is going well and you have a fair wind and a following sea and all of those good things. Um, I've been, this is for my, this particular episode is for my business and professional speaking class. So it is about small group communication and problem solving and when we talk about small groups we're talking about you know roughly five people or so uh we'll get into that a little bit so if you're interested and want to hang around by all means uh pull up a seat and make yourself comfortable if you're not interested i guess as far as i'm concerned you know Go out and sit under a tree, drink an RC Cola, and eat a moon pie, and just enjoy your day. Just enjoy your day. And, uh, yeah, we'll do that. Anything interesting in the world going on right now? Again, this is kind of one of those, because people will be listening to this down the road, I suppose. Anything that's happening today will be history for someone else. So if it's the spring semester and you're listening to the same recording, then there's no telling what the weather may be like or the conditions of the world. You know, if there will be a world, that's the thing. We're never, we're not guaranteed much in life other than this, this one moment. So we'll just take it and, uh, have a little carpe diem action and, uh, sort of enjoy it I have been having a lot of conversations with different people lately and you can listen to uh, the other episodes of the podcast where I've been I've been talking they're not interviews they're conversations I've had with other people uh, communication professionals uh, photographers writers um, 
that sort of folks. And these are these are accomplished folks who are out there doing it and rocking, you know, the free world and doing their thing. And um, and I've noticed there is a difference uh, in personalities out there of what like what people do, especially in uncertain times. Like it's, you know, it's hard it's hard to really judge a human being on what their behavior is when everything's going fine. You really start to understand who a person is when uh, things are stressful or when you watch them interact with someone else who may not actually have anything that they can really contribute to that person. Um, you know, or when you see someone... Um, get contradicted or, you know, someone just doesn't do what they say. And you can see how that sort of stress uh, reacts on those people. I, I always say, especially with relationships, it doesn't really matter if it's like a romantic style relationship or a business relationship. You really shouldn't get too deep into that thing until you've had time to see the weirdness in the other person. Like you've got to get past the initial, Oh my God, this is the best person ever. And they're so interesting and whatever it happens to be, you've got to get past that and get to the point where like you notice that there's something weird about the way they breathe or there's something weird about like those rose colored glasses have to come off and that's when you really start to understand who people are and really whether you want some kind of long-term relationship with them, whether it's a working relationship or a romantic relationship or that kind of stuff, you know, there's all kinds of stuff out there. Uh, cause people are good at hiding their, hiding their BS for a while. Like they're, you know, this is, it's kind of the, especially like the world of like narcissists was, there are a lot of these days they're pretty good at hiding their dysfunction if they even think it's a dysfunction uh long enough to get you into their sphere of influence we'll call it that and again you start to see how people and the and who they really are as human beings when uh someone starts to pull away from that like it's, especially in a working relationship you see you know, someone may be fine as long as they're always getting their way. But then you notice they don't really ever want to hear what someone else has to say. Or, you know, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you find out that they don't, they seem interesting, but they don't really bring anything to the table. You know, there's, there's all of these things. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday and we're, you know, we're talking about how relationships in these day and age are, uh, a bit transactional um very often especially in working relationships people have um those relationships are only as strong as what the two parties can contribute to the other like this is you know like a business relationship you are valuable to a client only as long as you provide um you know service um you provide a product, you, you provide something that benefits them and vice versa. You know, they're only good as a client as long as they pay their bills and they're, you know, not complete jerks all the time. And, you know, and once that conversation, you know, you, these may be people you talk to all the time, as long as that relationship is holds that standard. And, uh, you see this all the time. Like somebody is, they hold a, a particular position. Um, Case in point, back when I was a cop, so many years ago, I was amazed at how many people wanted to be my friend back then. Like everybody, you know, it was cool to know me until I wasn't one anymore. And then you start to realize those people that always were interested in what I had to say or would make time for me suddenly didn't anymore. And you see those things all the time. Um... And it's not necessarily a bad thing. We really only have so much capacity to have, a, you know, a handful of good 
relationships. We can have a lot of good acquaintance acquaintances um, that aren't necessarily so transactional. They're just, you know, a bit more casual in nature. You know, you're friends with someone at work and then, you know, maybe you go out and hang out with them after work or whatever it happens to be, or you're in a class together and you hang out with them, you know, cause you're in class and you have that kind of common experience. And after, um, you know, that job ends or, you know, you move on to a different job or the class is over or whatever, those relationships tend to fade over time. You know, you may hang out a little bit, but then suddenly you realize you don't have as much to talk about anymore. And this is the way it just sort of ends up going. And again, that's fine. It just opens up room for, you know, new relationships and new, um, new friendships to, to develop. So, um, what's that got to do with today? Not a whole lot, uh, except we're, we're talking about, you know, the world of business and, and relationships and communication. And specifically, we're kind of diving back into the world of small group communication, which means you may be on a team and you're working with that team. And I can tell you, you know, a lot of people don't like group work when they're in school because it gets to the same old problems that everybody and other small groups face. Somebody seems to want to dominate the conversation and they want to, you know, they're not really wanting to share that lead role. Um, other people don't pull their weight, you know, and that sort of thing. Well, in the professional world, that stuff can happen too, but it tends to be less dramatic because in the professional world, if you're not pulling your weight or you're not a good team member, you tend to work yourself out of that job and you tend to end up somewhere else. Um, which again is fine. This is just kind of how life works at times. Uh, so, but what we're going to be talking about today is kind of the small group communication. So you get a group of people together, you've got a common problem or objective that you're trying to solve. And so we're going to, we're going to talk about a few things and a few strategies and, and whatnot. Uh, it's, if you're following along in your book, it's chapter nine in your textbook. And, um, I'm not going to get into page numbers because depending on which edition of the book you have, that may vary uh, by a few pages. So, uh, I guess with that being said, um, sit back, listen to my buddy Rob here. Um, and we'll get going here in just a second. Against is that all you can say? 
Cause I could do better now I'm the king of nothing No one's here so go away Leave this king alone You say long to contemplate And if I figure it out Send a messenger your way I'm the king of nothing And those are the rules of you wanna play Don't let those things that drag you down Never let you see the light of day Cause you could do better now I'm a king of nothing More than happy to share my throne It's being by myself Always your beats being alone I'm a king of nothing and nothing's going on and misery loves company yeah. I say love likes being alone I'm the king of nothing And no one's here so go away and leave this king alone You say love to contemplate And if I figure it out Send a messenger your way I'm the king of nothing And those are the rules if you wanna play Hey, there we are, and we are back, picking up where we left off, and I got that. All right, so small group communication sounds interesting. It's it's actually fairly practical because this is the thing we all end up on. We all end up doing it at some point in time, just because it is the nature of the beast that which we work and play so that's okay let's just do that um so small group communication like i said earlier how you define small group i mean is two people really a group maybe um 10 people is that a small group eh, you know we're going to stick to five five seems to be a reasonable number um and at least according to her textbook is the most efficient number i would argue that the most efficient number of people to work with is is completely interdependent on the um what would you call it the quality of the people in your group so you can have you know as many or as few as you want and it's depending on how much people pull their weight and the leadership of that group uh, is going to have a, a lot of of um, sway and effect. It, it, and let me back up a little bit. When I say in the leadership of that group, um, it's kind of going back to what I was saying before. A leader, there's a lot of things to being a good leader. Um and a lot of people think they're good leaders and they're not good leaders. They, they follow a lot. There's, there's a lot of folks out there, or there's some folks out there, who they follow a series of checklists that say, this is what a good leader is. And, you know, they may, they may follow those. Um, they may follow a series of checklists of this is a thing you should do. But there's also the side of that is who they are as a as like a human being, and if it, um, if people actually want to follow their lead, right? This is the difference between a leader and a manager. A manager's kind of cracking a whip and just saying you're going to do this, or they're coming with something a little more, you know, I don't want to say slimy, but they're 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 not really looking for input they're looking for um people just to do what they want them to do like they're just they're looking for obedience um that's not a good leader even even if you officially and technically you know check the things off the box uh if people you know kind of hold a, a level of resentment um you know because you perhaps here, here's an example like you'll see somebody and they'll act a certain way in the meeting and they're going to act like they're your 
you're they're on your side and they're really working for this common goal or whatever this thing is and then you meet them in the hall and they don't even acknowledge you you're like oh i'm on the same team as long as we're in the room and doing what you want to do but if we're just walking down the hall and i say hi and you don't even look up like that person just lost social capital uh with someone on their team and 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 then at that point whether they realize it or not um they're losing traction and they're losing effectiveness of their overall team because at that point is someone who's on that team they realize their leader doesn't have their back um you you realize the leader isn't really that interested in them and in it they realize the leader isn't interested in the team members and that can be very problematic um that could be it that can be a podcast in its own in its own self so don't be a jerk i guess that's what i'm going to say don't be a jerk um different groups in this day and age you've got different kinds of groups taking different kinds of forms you've got face-to-face interaction um you know you're all sitting around in a conference table looking at charts and tps reports and whatever the other things happen to be you know you're talking things but you're actually physically sitting there um you can be you could you know this stuff could be happening uh, what we would call non-synchronous you know people are, are just sending email um that's also uh can be problematic um because sometimes you send too much email uh some you know sometimes a meeting can be handled with an email uh but if you're blowing people up with so many emails and they're you know they're trying to do a job but they're also trying to keep up with stuff and you know that can that can get problematic as well um you can also have and so that would be like an what you call an asynchronous uh sort of gathering you know it doesn't happen at a particular time everybody's just sort of dealing with it as it comes in and as they're available um, and then you've got a synchronous like a virtual thing which would be equivalent to like a zoom or a webex meeting where you know everybody's sitting on their webcams or uh whatnot and um talking about it and then we even get in a distinction between if you're all sitting around um in a zoom meeting versus or you know webex or whatever the software platform happens to be or you are um just talking on the phone you know because there's information that can be passed along you know through nonverbal cues that you know you'd see on the video stuff but not necessarily on the uh, audio and you know that can be also like you can see if somebody's expression like they don't have a good poker face and somebody says something and you're thinking that's the dumbest idea i've ever heard in my life but if they're just on the phone you don't see that facial expression that you might pick up on if you're sitting at the same table um so these are all things to to uh consider and the other thing is like as a team you have to be working toward a common goal um like you're all trying to achieve the same things you may all have your own different parts of that thing but you're all trying to achieve the same thing and you and preferably you've all got a certain degree of buy-in to that thing um three different kinds of groups that your textbook talks about you've got learning groups um guess what they do you're trying to learn stuff uh so you know what it is maybe you've been putting task with researching something and so you're trying to learn something um you have self-maintenance groups these are groups that simply are you know they're trying to keep everybody with the right attitude um i think of a lot of churches these days do these small groups um that would be probably the closest equivalent would be a self-maintenance group you've got people that are kind of you know they're holding you accountable for things you have in the office you know you're making sure people aren't getting burnt out they're not you know they're not getting overwhelmed or you know whatever it happens to be you've got a place that you can you know sort of be free and lay all that stuff down and you can you know work work through it uh and keep your your attitude good um you've also got problem solving groups so you're not you know the first one was like research but this one is like all right we need to uh, we're tasking this group to figure out how we're going to do something which may start out kind of as a learning group 
but you're actually working toward a um, a final goal of you know you've got an issue and you want to resolve it and what's the best solution for this and so your job as a group is to figure that out you know and then that and under each of those gets under you know different objectives how you can do each of those more effectively or not effectively and you know the other thing you have to consider is like what's the motivation of the group members for this uh, the, the book talks about the social exchange theory which is is basically uh, uses concepts from economics to imply to explain uh, interaction I'm reading here claiming that people assess cost and rewards of group effort and select options that are more rewarding you know so what is it that about your group that's going to you know cost you know consequences or rewards that's going to be a motivator and again as you know group leaders these are the things that you, you need to consider what's going to motivate your group to get those things done as a unified group um how can you tell if you're in a good group it's a reasonable question uh, I think the first thing is just look at your attitude. Are people do people actually want to be there? Uh, and if they don't want to be there, uh, these are honest questions about um, why they don't want to be there. You know, don't just assume that you know if someone doesn't want to be in a group. It's simply because they don't want to do the work. Uh, it may be team dynamics that is not thrilling uh, someone. So we got to figure that out. Or it may you know other things. It may be that the particular uh, responsibilities that you, you know a team member has isn't really their strength or you know they're not playing to their strengths and so they don't they're not, they're not enjoying being in a group where they you know they're not relying on the things that they're the best at um things good groups are they avoid um they avoid sloppy and negative thinking um, like a, a good kind of barometer to see is if a group's together, are they, you know, sort of positive within the context of that group, but actually working towards something, you know, you can have a positive group, but they're not actually accomplishing anything. Are they being positive? Are they being efficient? And are they, you know, having a good time of some sort, or at least an okay time. I'm not saying this is a party. Um, good groups and really good companies they train their uh, team members regularly um, and training really needs to take a lot of different forms uh, speaking of training I'm not going to talk about uh, never mind because it's going to be it's next week and if you're listening to this in the future it won't matter so I'll just post something later on it um, beyond that training get trained make sure your group you know knows how to do the things that they need to be able to do no make sure they know um anything that are it's advancing like i work a lot in multimedia communication where software is constantly getting updated and you know i i keep up with about you know four or five different adobe software um, platforms and legitimately those platforms are updating monthly with new versions new new elements new things and it's easy to not know you know what's the latest thing it's easy to kind of get in the, you know I don't say get in the rut but stick with the old ways of doing things when you know there may be an improved way to accomplish the same thing that would make your life a little bit easier better um, another th good thing a, a good group does is they're they're honest with themselves and they evaluate themselves honestly um, you know they're they're looking for this is our objective are we are we accomplishing that object objective or are we not accomplishing that objective so we have to think about in those terms um you know and if they're not accomplishing it they again this comes back to solving a problem can they solve that problem figure out why they're off track and uh, and get back on Another thing that you need to avoid as a group is something called groupthink. And groupthink is basically everyone just wants to agree with each other. Like somebody's going back to, you have somebody in your group that has a strong personality and there's a thing that they want to do, 
whatever it happens to be, and and maybe this goes back into if they sort of have a more of an aggressive personality or they're they're not they're not afraid to challenge people and maybe you have somebody else in that group that doesn't like conflict you know you have two different personality types and the people who don't like conflict um and are more likely just to sort of sit quietly in a group setting um they may have really good ideas but they're just not going to open their mouth so you've got to be careful uh, that, you know, those folks get a chance and, you know, that you're not all just agreeing with each other just because you don't want to make waves or you just don't, you just want to move on, whatever it is. Um, you know, and, and typically the more sociable people are, the more likely they are to fall into that trap because they just want to agree with each other. And, you know, the other side is they may not want to contradict somebody because that person's my friend and I don't want to hurt their feelings or, you know, maybe that person gets butt hurt every time, you know, somebody does bring something up. And so they're like, they're going to start complaining again. They're going to, you know, poor, miserable me. And I just don't want to deal with it. So I'm not going to say anything. And you just don't want that. Um, that's not staying true to your objectives. Uh, and as far as diversity, I've had... I have had the distinct pleasure in ex of, of being in a lot of different uh, cultures and, and encountering a lot of people from different places around the world. And one of the first things you learn as you travel or, it, you know, you're, you're talking to people from other parts of the world, even places that might seem similar, um, very often there are a lot of cultural differences in sort of the way that they interact with each other like even and that could be with even within the context of, of the united states um from the south you know we tend to we tend to talk slower uh we tend to take more pauses and as a rule we we try not to talk over people generally generally um you get into other places especially more in the new england area um you know, or larger cities where people like there's a faster pace in that world. There's a faster pace and the, that, that applies over to language as well. And so this idea that people are moving quickly and fast and they talk over the top of each other and where in one culture, like here, it might be considered rude there. Not so much. It's just kind of the way you do things. Um, so pay attention to those things and, you know, sort of recognize that if you're dealing with someone who is from a different country, uh, comes from a different cultural background, that, and they're in your group, you know, they might have uh, sort of a different way of approaching the same problem. And that's actually fairly refreshing because one of the things that you um, get to encounter is when you, when you get to hang out with someone who approaches things and life from a completely different perspective, very often it opens up solutions that you never would have considered and sometimes because your two cultures are interacting you come up with solutions that neither one of you would have considered had you been working on this on your own and so that that is where you know a richness and a cultural diversity really sort of adds to the um add to the thing <coughs> excuse me uh we've got Synchronous technologies, asynchronous technology, we're just keeping them, I've already talked about those. Asynchronous is when, you know, everybody's doing it at their own time and you're not meeting at the same time. Synchronous is when you're all, you're all in there together. Um, they get into the elaboration likelihood model, um, which describes how people evaluate arguments. Um, they use either a central route to take time to thoroughly consider the argument or the peripheral route and are distracted by secondary cues like what the speaker is wearing. Basically, this is gets into if you're listening to an argument, you've got different kinds of people. Some people can listen to an argument, especially think, think about in politics right now because everything's politics right now. You present somebody with contradictory information from whatever their established beliefs are. 
if you're taking the central route as far as this model is concerned, the elaboration likelihood model, you're going to basically take your own perspective, your own opinions. You're going to set them to the side and you're going to hear the argument and you're going to hear it independently of your own bias and then evaluate it and go, oh, yeah, that's a better solution. I'm, you know, that's a better answer. I'm going to move over there. That's not what most people do. Most people, if you know, this is when we can also get into things like dissonance theory. So when you're, you are encountering contradictory information from what you want to hear, the response is more of a, of a, a defense response, more of an anger response. And so some of the things that may, um, may, may come out of that, I'm trying to think of the right word and it's escaping me is that you stop hearing the argument, you start picking apart other things. Um, and again, you see this a lot on social media. Somebody avoids the argument and then instead they insult, you know, the character of the person. Or they, you see somebody they don't like and next thing you know, they're picking them apart. Like, I don't like those shoes. I don't like the way that person has their hair. I don't, you know, and they start looking for these other things that have absolutely nothing to do with the content of the thing. Um, but they're like, you know, if somebody would wear shoes that ugly, there's no way that they could possibly know what they're talking about. All right. That doesn't make any effing sense, but there it is. And that's the kind of thing that people do. And we do it all the time and it's a defense mechanism. And, and for whatever reason, um, there it is. So moving on, we've got problem solving within the, the group. We've got a problem solving. We've gotten decision-making. And when, when you get into leadership, leadership is ultimately decision-making. That's what it is. It's problem-solving and, and decision-making. Those are the basics of what we'd call leadership. Leadership is not just simply getting something done. That's, that's being a manager. Um, leadership is a much bigger thing than that, and it's much more nuanced. And we don't necessarily like nuance these days, but... Leadership is a, um, it's nuanced, um, a great podcast. Um, it's military in nature. Um, but they talk about, it's entirely focused on leadership. So, uh, especially if you, if you, it's by a guy named Jocko Wilnick and it's all about a lot of self-discipline, but also, um, leadership. So if you're interested in something like that, he does a bunch of stuff on YouTube as well. So um, he's a, just a big gorilla of a man who was a Navy SEAL with an English degree who basically he's taken a lot of leadership things he learned in the military and applies them into the normal world. Um, so, yeah, if you like that kind of stuff, he's a good guy to listen to. But, yeah, he's a gorilla of a human being. Anyway, moving on. So how do we how do we solve those problems so basic problem solving procedure according to your textbook is one you define the problem two you're going to research and analyze the problem three you're going to establish a checklist of criteria so these are the things like this if we're going to solve the problem these are the things that have to happen as part of that and then you're going to list out all the alternatives of you know possible solutions and then you're going to work through each of those possible solutions and, you know, evaluate each alternative and then, you know, pick the best. So we get the problem, we define what it is, you know, we, we define what our outcomes are, like, the, you know, the things, we're going to solve this problem and this is the outcome and these are the things that we want to happen. So there's our criteria. We're going to brainstorm, put out a bunch of options. You know, we could go this way, we could go this way, we could go this way. And then you start working through each of those all right, if we go this way, these are the pros, these are the cons. This is what the good part, this is the bad, you know, possible consequences. Good, bad for every one of those. And in theory, you get to the end of it and you're like, well, this one has the best, most pros and the fewest cons and we're going to go with that one. It seems a little simplified um, to just simply put it that way. I mean, in a basic structure, that's what it is. But at the same time, you know, you've also, you know, kind of think about 
how these things are going to play out in the long run. Uh, one of the best pieces of communication advice I can give you. Um, well, there, there's, there's two. Uh, the golden rule of communication has always been know thy audience. Like know who you're talking to. And if you know who you're talking to, you know, who you're trying to communicate with, then you know, you know, how to go about reaching that person most effectively. Uh, I would add to that um, is that you reach people where they are, not where you want them to be. Like, and we do this kind of thing all the time. You try to reach out with someone and really the, the, the argument that you're making is the argument you would make to yourself because you know, you're, you're, you're looking at it through your lens and really what you ought to be doing is looking at it from the lens of the person you're trying to connect with. Like, who are they? Like, what is their life? You know, where, what is their knowledge based on this thing? Um, you know, and this can be true from a marketing standpoint. Like if you're trying to advertise to people, you want to advertise to people in a way that will actually connect to them. Um, and, um, there was a, uh, I'm trying to think there was actually a, there was a study when, um, the HIV epidemic was, was raging through Africa, um, back in the nineties and early two thousands. Uh, one of the things that they were trying to do, they, I think it was the United Nations, uh, maybe, I don't remember exactly who the, who is or the, who the, they is. Um, but the goal was to get men to start wearing condoms um, during sex. And so they started advertising these things, but they were advertising it in a way that was very clinical. These things are going to save your life. These are going to, you know, prevent you from transmitting HIV to your partner, partners. And it was all very, very clinical. And as a result, hardly anybody wanted to use those things. And instead, somebody else comes around and they started advertising them as a way to basically enhance the sexual satisfaction or it, it, basically they were adding sex appeal. They were, they were taking the Axe body spray approach to condoms. Like you use this thing, everybody's going to want you sort of idea. And lo and behold, suddenly people wanted to use them and they became more popular and more and more people started using them because they changed the frame um, that they were presenting the thing. The end result is the same how they got people to adopt that behavior came from somewhere else. And, you know, we see this a lot in our, our society right now. There's a lot of people are like, you're going to do this. And they're kind of wagging their finger. You should do this because of these reasons in the world. And, you know, they're, they're either pushing shame or guilt or fear or something. And they want you to do these things. And, and you don't do them because you're just sort of this rebellious nature of us. And so you're like, nah, um, but then somebody else is like, you know, really, you can have all these other things if you would, you know, just do this and you can have more things and you can, more people are going to want you or whatever it happens to be. Um, you know, it was the, um, it was, it was the way I was, I was described, you know, since we're on the, the same level here of how you motivate people, like, um, Heard it described once, if you go to Canada and buy soap, or you almost go to any other country and you want to buy, you know, dish soap, and you're like, the advertisements are like, hey, if you buy the soap, your dishes are going to be clean, or your hands are going to be clean. We'll just do a dish soap. Your dishes are going to be clean. The end. That's it. You come into the United States and you say, hey, buy our dish soap. Um, if you, That's not the same argument. What you'll get is, here it's more like, Hey, if you use our dish soap, more people are going to want to have sex with you. Like, that's our argument. You know, again, it's the Axe body spray. Like, watch any commercial or almost any beer commercial. You are going to magically become this other kind of person if you simply use our project or product. 
And we do that because we're playing on certain impulses of people. But again, this goes back into the idea of you reach people where they are, not where you want them to be. If your objective is to get a certain kind of behavior out of them, you know, you can call it manipulative. You can call it whatever. Um, but if your end result is you're looking for a certain end result, you've got to choose the right words to um, connect and, you know, in the right language. And this is entirely what big data, you know, is why they're constantly looking through your, you know, cell phone data and your social media data. They're trying to find out exactly who you are and what makes you tick so they can reach you with the um, right language. So beyond that, um, you may find it helpful to think of problem solving questions as uh, questions of fact or questions of value or policy. In questions of fact, the team is trying to determine whether or not something is true or not and what to degree it is true. Questions of value, uh, the team is trying to assess the desirability of an object or a idea or person, or whatever. In uh, a question of policy, the team's trying to arrive at a specific course of action, uh, and usually a change from the um, the present place that they are. So you know you establish all of these things. Um, now we get into step two. We're talking about analyzing this. So I'm sorry, go back we were just in defining the problem thing like we're trying to figure out i didn't i didn't illustrate that part but we're still in step one of this problem solving thing now we're going to move into step two you know we're, we're trying to analyze the problem what's the real problem here not just the not just the symptoms of the problem what is the underlying problem here and that's the thing that we're going to go for and so we have to look deeply and try to figure out what is going on on a, on a, on a real level, not just a symptomatic level. And those are two different things. And it takes time, um, you know, to, to figure out exactly what that is. So you've got to figure out what's involved, what's not involved. Um, where, where is this thing hiding? Where is it not? And sometimes, a lot of times, finding where something isn't is just important as where something is, where's the problem is versus where it isn't. And those can help you find solutions. You know, and then you can think about how big of a problem it really is. Uh, and then you move on to step three, you establish this checklist of criteria. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're not going to do. These are, these are our must haves. These are our, you know, we're just not going to negotiate on these terms this is what we have to have um and this is what you know we establish that criteria uh you know then we can have the must criteria then we can have a secondary group we just the want these are our want or I, we have to have we must have and then we can have the want to have and the want to have stuff can be in the um you know we can negotiate on those you may not be able to get all of those but you can try and then, you know, we get all these, we come up with these answers, we list all of these particular answers, and then we start working our way through with these things, we start testing them. And eventually, you know, that was step four and five, I just ran through those pretty quick. And then finally, you know, you either come to a consensus where everyone agrees this is the best route, or you come to a compromise where some people are like, eh, I'm not really sure, you know, maybe, um but you get through it and lo and behold in theory you solve the problem and everyone rejoices and then they go out to chilies and they get appetizers and and cocktails and whatever it is that those people do doing the thing that they do and all their crazy ways that they do it and they celebrate and we're all happy and everybody's happy Aren't you happy to be happy? Here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to be happy. I want you to have a great day. And I want you to go think about, you know, what's going on in the world. Go sit under a shade tree, drink an RC Cola, eat a moon pie, contemplate life. See you next time, folks.